Shall we begin? This is Brianna Stewart, and listening to Dishing and Pushing. Hi, everybody. It's David Siegel welcoming you to the final preseason WNBA Dishing and Swishing podcast. And we like to start off the season each year by talking to the head coach from the defending champion. And this year, that is the Los Angeles Sparks. And it's great to welcome back Coach Brian Agler. Coach, how are you today? Doing great, David. How are you? So I'm doing great. So, Coach, does it ever get t- does it ever get old to hear defending champion? Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Fortunately, you know, I've been there a couple times, and it just feels great. It feels great. People up in Connecticut, they know how that feels. Well, we know on the college level, but we don't know in the pro level yet. So uh, we're we're still waiting for that one. Yeah. Well, you never know. It could be right around the corner. That's for sure. That's for sure. But you know. So so my first question for you is, everybody goes through preseason trying to sort out their teams and such, and you don't have your players for most of the preseason. You've got some of them starting to trickle in. NECA's there now, uh, but still no Candace, Gentile Lavender, uh, Essence Carson, I believe, too, is not in. That's correct. That's so, correct. They play Gentile uh, and Candace are on the same team in Turkey, and they're playing Essence's team in the Turkish finals right now. They've uh they've got two games under their belt and they play game three tomorrow. Yeah, how do you try and figure out you know, it's more than just who can perform on the court when they play by themselves. You want to figure out who can play with each other. How do you what goes into you trying to assess that type of thing when you don't have the actual players there? Well, it's, it, it is a little bit difficult. You sort of have to go on past history of the strengths and the weaknesses of the players that are on your team. And, you know, you build your roster from that spot. So um, it, it's not easy to do, unfortunately. It's, it's the world that we live in. You know, what we're dealing with right now is what a lot of teams deal with and, and what I've dealt with in the past. So, it's you know, you, you live and learn. You have to, you know, pull on history and, you know, pull on some of the stuff that you've lived through, and you make the decisions based on, you know, the best information that you have. You know, one of the things about that that intrigues me uh, is the fact that, you know, you you got players with such skills. It's a catch-22. You've got players that are therefore more in demand overseas and go over there for a for a higher quality team, which means they end up in the postseason, which means you miss them at the start of your season. So so you're kind of caught in that trap there. As long as you're going to have good players, you're going to be missing good players. Well, we could if they go to Europe, especially uh, you know Russia and Turkey. There's there I don't think their seasons are the longest of everybody, but they're you know they're up there. They're they extend, especially Turkey this year extended clear into the middle of May. But you're right. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a catch-22. But obviously you want to have as good of players as you can uh, when you're here, and, um, and and they'll eventually get here. Well, when they get here, the first thing that will be waiting for them, I think that it was a pretty cool the way that you guys decided to postpone the ring ceremony uh, so that they could be a part of it and that they wouldn't miss out. I thought that was a really nice touch announced today. 
Well, uh, yeah, we, we want everybody here uh, for that. So uh, Saturday's game will be uh, raising the banner, and, and then the following Friday, um, you know, we'll give the rings out, and they should be back by then. Um, even if it goes five games, I think they'll, they could potentially be here. I don't know if they'll be quite ready to play, but they'll, they will, uh, they'll be in the building. And it's nice that you, for you, it's nice with the schedule breaks that you only have this first game and then you get that, you know, this is one time you, you like having that week off. Oh, there's no question. I, I, I like a little bit of space, um, in the beginning of the year. Anyway, just because you play a game, you reevaluate some things, you have a chance to work on some things, and then, you know, once you get in the middle of the season, that's when the players really hate to practice. So it's better to have more games, you know, as the season goes on. When you look at things at the start of the year, that's also, I'm sure, when sometimes you decide that, you know, the person that you thought you were getting or signing was is not going to work out. Uh, I'm always interested when I see people, you know, like here in Connecticut, everybody seems to be really celebrating Sanaya Chung making Dallas, since there was a lot of questions about that. But, you know, you're constantly still checking the the waiver wire, seeing who's released, see who might fit better. So, you know, nobody's position is really locked in when they're, you know, in the bottom portion of your roster until mid-season. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I would have to say we're you know, we're always looking to see who's available and who gets waived. Um, that doesn't mean we just jump at every time we feel like someone might be able to help us because you, you do have limitations. You know, you've got um, it's a certain number of guaranteed contracts. You only have a certain uh, number of people that you could potentially release and move. And, um, you know, you have there's a lot of things to take in consideration more than just talent. You have to think about chemistry. You have to think about your depth in certain areas. So, there's a lot of factors, but you still, I think, if you want to be the best you can be, you have to constantly uh, know who's available, and, and you have to constantly reevaluate, you know, your, where you sit in your roster. You know, you mentioned the guaranteed contracts. That's something that I don't think a lot of people can put into consideration. You know, a lot of the fans, when they look at a roster and they say, hmm, this person, you know, just release this person and such. It's not so easy sometimes because of the fact that you signed them to a guaranteed contract maybe a couple of years earlier. And, you know, you really, you know, you still, they still apply against your cap if you let them go. That's true. Um, so, for example, I'll, I'll just give you an example of uh, an individual that a lot of player people are familiar with in our league, Aaron Phillips. So Aaron Phillips was on a guaranteed contract uh, in Dallas. And the reason I know that is because we signed her to that contract and then traded her to Dallas. So that that contract went with her when she went to Dallas. So she was on the third year of a contract, a uh, third of a three-year contract. And so when they decide that for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter what the reason is, they come to terms, an agreement between the player and the organization, um, and the contract's guaranteed, then you have to agree to a settlement. So whatever that number is, if that contract's guaranteed and they agree to uh, a buyout of, let's say, $30,000, well, that $30,000 then is guaranteed. And so that guarantee then stays on the cap. So Dallas can't then go and use that guarantee that Aaron had just because she's not on the team. 
that $30,000 is guaranteed, and it stays on the cap. So that's sort of a situation that people don't understand. That, okay, Aaron Phelps is gone. She was on a guaranteed contract. Now we've got that guarantee back. You can't use that spot until the following year. Wow, that definitely is something that comes into play when you when yeah. you make a decision like that, which also then feeds a little bit into the concept that Dallas, using them as the example still, has so many rookies that they've signed that are under the, the low-cost rookie deals versus being able to replace a person like Phillips with another proven veteran. Yeah. Now, they can – they can spend. Let's just say that she, her go back to that same reference that she they they and I, I forget what the number was. I saw it, but I can't remember what it was. But let's go back and use the thirty thousand dollar mark, okay? But let's say her whole contract was a hundred and ten. So they're still now they saved themselves um, eighty thousand dollars that they have back available to use. It just can't be guaranteed. So they do they do get money back on the cap um, to use for another player. But they, they the valuable thing, a very valuable thing with within our league is those those um, those guaranteed contracts. People really work, players really work to get them, and teams keep those in high value because the the best players. Um, Get those. Those are the ones that the best players that, they, that goes to the best players. So that being said, they've got some relief. Uh, Dallas did with money, but that, that money uh, because of uh, the thirty thousand, the guarantee stays on that number, not the eighty thousand. Well, it is definitely a, uh, a maze. Uh, you know, trying to figure it out. It's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle to find all of the right pieces. But, you know, everybody's always said that the Sparks don't have a real salary cap anyway, that you guys sign anybody you want, it seems. So. <laughs> I, I trust that we, we call the league constantly to make sure we, we, what we do, we're allowed to do. So um, I will say this, uh, and I, I do think that the one thing that is uh, refreshing uh, here is the fact that Penny and the owners, you know, we did have a lot of players come through training camp here, and we had that open, and we knew that a lot of our players weren't going to be back for um, for the first game. So they brought in quite a few people to try out, and that's expensive. You know, it, it costs money, and you know, you talk about. The physicals they got to get. You talk about the hotel. You talk about the flights. You talk about the per diem. If you travel uh, to exhibition games on the road, that costs money. So um, those are little things that that I, I feel fortunate that we, we we were able to do here um, is to bring people in to take a look at them because I do know that that does cost money. Absolutely, and you guys took them cross country for that two, for the two games set in Connecticut. So. Yeah, that absolutely is something that costs money. You, you know, that, that's an excellent point that you make, Coach. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about what you got going on there. And, and you know, obviously Christy is going to hurt. You know, she she was such a key part the way that she bought into the system, and really became more of a more of a one, more of a point guard than she ever had before. Uh, but you go out, you get Odyssey Sims, who who has a can be a similar type of demeanor. Maybe not the same type of player. Uh, 
and 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 Chelsea certainly proved her worth as a point guard in the postseason in particular. And then you and then you get Raquina Williams finally back, assuming that she is actually healthy. Is she healthy? She is healthy. She okay. played in that last exhibition game, and, and she's been practicing. She did not make the trip to Connecticut with us, but she did play in our, our exhibition game against San Antonio. So when you factor in all of those all of those components, do you feel comfortable that you have you know a, an adequate replacement for Christie in the rotation this year? Well, I think uh, I want to answer that in a couple of different ways. Uh, number one, Christie is a heck of a player, and I really enjoyed coaching her. And I felt like, from some of the facts you just sort of mentioned, that she may have had as good a year as she's ever had in our league last year, uh, just how she played, position that she played, how she thought the game. You know, everybody understands that she can shoot the basketball, but, you know, the intangible things that she did, how she – you know, she was very efficient with uh, her assist to turnover ratio. She was up in the league in assists. Um, you know, she played that role very well. And um, so we're very thankful that, you know, she had that kind of year last year because without that, we would not have won the championship. Um, but she decided to go home and play, and, you know, she's going to make a big impact in a positive way with Washington. And I wish her the best. Uh, in regards to Odyssey, um, you know, Odyssey, we were, we've been high on for, for several years, and when we lost Christy, the timing just sort of broke right for us where we had the opportunity to trade for a quality player like Odyssey. So um, I've, I've been really, you know, giving her a lot of attention, um, challenging her in a lot of different ways to think the game and play the you know, learn the, the way that we play the game in L.A. I'm not saying the way we play it's better than anybody else, but we do have a certain way to play it, and if we get everybody playing that way, then we feel like we can be pretty good. So we've worked a lot on that. I've uh, been impressed with her work ethic and uh, her her passion for the game. Uh, Raquana's a, been a joy to work with. She can shoot the basketball, really athletic and strong, um, really works at the game. She's sort of a gym rat. You know, she gets here early, she leaves late, loves to shoot the ball, works at her game. And, uh, you know, she's, again, I've been impressed with both those people and how they've really tried to give us a lot of effort at the defensive end. You're right, Chelsea Gray um, really came on for us last year and was very important to the success that we had, especially in the playoffs. And she's steadily gotten better. She's had a good year in Turkey. She's back now, and she's playing well here. And we just think she'll keep developing in a real positive way. And the other thing about those three is that, you know, they're they're moving into what I would consider the prime of their career. I don't know if they're quite there yet. Raquana's probably a little bit closer than the other two, but we feel like they're young enough where they have a lot of positive years ahead of them. You know, you mentioned the fact that you said you're really working with Odyssey and getting on her, uh, you know, in reinforcing the things that you want done. That was something that we noticed in Connecticut was that even in a preseason game, uh, that you were, you know, constantly on her about where she should be and what you wanted from her and, you know, really, 
really driving home the points on on both ends of the court. And that was something that, you know, I, I think had, has been lacking somewhat for her in the past. And I think that you may be just the type of coach that she needs right now to get the maximum amount of that, you know, extremely large amount of potential that she has. So so that is something that's great. intriguing. Yeah, she does have great potential. And, you know, I can, I you know, you saw it in Connecticut. I, I can, I've been giving her a lot of, a lot of attention and critiquing her quite hard, uh, but at the same time letting her understand that you know this this is what we see of uh, your potential. This is what we see you can do, and um, you know if you'll just buy in and trust what we're saying to you and let us coach you, then you know we feel like good things can happen for our team and, and for you personally. And uh, the other thing I said is before Chelsea got here that. Odyssey Sims is going to be Chelsea Gray's best friend because that's the kind of attention Chelsea Gray was getting last year, you know, in practice and those things. So, um, you know, now now a lot of this attention is going towards Odyssey. Well, you know, and if they think that you're tough, wait till Candace and NECA and Elena get get a hold of them <laughs> during practice. You know, you, you don't want to piss off the leaders on this team. Yeah, they those three people are are. Um, have done a really good job of, of keeping the standards high and, and pushing this team and talking to younger players. And they're those three, and I throw in Essence and Jantel too. I mean, Essence is a true pro and a great person, as is Jantel. They all have their own way to communicate, and they're, they're going to be really good for these young players. Well, today the general manager polls came out on WNBA.com, and once again the links are rated number one ahead of you. And... Uh, uh, Candace tweeted from Europe. Here we go again with the old eye roll emoticon. <laughs> so I, I think the first uh, the first throwdown is already starting, and uh, I think you're getting back a couple players that feel that they still are not getting the respect that they deserve as champions, and are ready to try and become the first team to repeat since oh the LA Sparks. Well, you know, Minnesota's got a great team. You know, I uh, I keep their organization, their team in high regard. They've got a great coaching staff. Cheryl does a tremendous job. Their players are not only great players, but they're great people. They're competitive. They've been together for a long time. They, um, you know, they play well together, you know, both ends of the floor. So that doesn't surprise me, and, and I can't tell you that, you know, right now with we we went through a little bit of a transition in the off season where they did you know we we had the we lost a player we have new pieces coming in so that always does take a little bit of time so I can't really argue with it um, but we'll it'll all have a chance to play out in the end and hopefully you know we keep our real narrow focus and just you know focus on and that's 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 sort of how we approached it last year we had things go our way a little bit. Um, but our narrow our, our narrow focus stayed the same. How we're going to try to approach it this year? Well, there were two other things that the GMs voted on that that I, I, if you want to try and extrapolate this and see where I can get where we can get with it, your team was voted most the best defensive team in the league, and you were also voted the most fun to watch. So does that mean that defense is the most fun to watch these days? <laughs> 
I don't really know. Should, should I ask Raquina that? <laughs> well, um, you know, I guess the thing, we, we do try to play aggressive defensively, and that does generate some offense. Um, uh, so maybe that's where people are going. We we do have some people. We have exciting players. You know, um, we get people that can make athletic plays, and uh, and there's other teams in this league that, that have that as well. Um, and you know, Minnesota being one of them, and you know, you go across the board. I mean, you, you know, Washington is going to be like that now, and New York, you know, is is good and extremely talented. You know, and they're an up-and-coming team. Right. So I don't know how to draw that comparison other than the fact that, you know, if you, you know, there's some ways to play defense that generates offense and get out of transition, and maybe that's what they're referring to. We'll use – that's it. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Candace and NECA for a second since we have not talked about them, and you can't talk about this team without him. NECA made such huge strides last year. She's one of the hardest working players, that's for sure. You know, you have to almost wonder how how high is that ceiling that she still has, and, and the same for for Candace. Candace, you, you look at her game, and you just continue to see improvement. And you know, w- when you prepare for this year, how much more can you expect to see out of out of those two in particular, or do you just say, you know what, I'm getting what I can. Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, uh, they're both. I think they have such a respect for each other and a, and a great camaraderie that they sort of bring the best out of each other. You know, I I can sort of see that. You know, and, and the way I see that is Candace making passes to Neca. You know, that most people can't make, and and Neca catches passes that you know most people can't catch. And then she has the innate ability to finish plays. Candace, I think, is starting to understand how versatile a player she is. So it's not always the points that you score, but it's how you make your teammates better. She can, she has that ability in a lot of different ways. And NECA, to me, how she can improve is she can still improve her skills. I mean, I, her ball handling can improve. Her perimeter shooting can improve. You know, those types of things can, can, are going to keep getting better because she does work at the game. So, um, I obviously, I'm really happy with what they do for our team. I'm hoping that they stay hungry and keep improving because I know if that happens, our team will get better. Um, but I think time will tell on that. I know they, you know, they really enjoyed they really enjoy playing with each other. They do that. And fans also want to hear about your rookies. How's Sidney Weiss looking? How about Samuelson? Uh, with, yeah. you know, how, how's that group looking for possible roster spots? Well, Sidney Weiss is going to make her team. She's playing well in practice, and she's had some good spots in, in the exhibition games, as has Carly. Um, Carly's got had an injury now that she's going to be out for a substantial amount of time, so she'll get released. And, you know... She has shot the ball extremely well in our exhibition games. I think she's 7 for 13 in the three-point line. Um, she's really been a pleasant surprise. But she's not going to be able to play. She's physically um, not able to play right now and won't be able to for a long time, possibly sometime this year. Uh, maybe not. It just depends on how 
some of this healing goes. But uh, Sydney will be on our team. Um, I'm hoping that we find a way to get her some playing time. Um, she definitely will play, uh, you know, several minutes in our first game just because we're lacking in numbers. Um, but I do like her length. I do like the way she can shoot the basketball. Extremely coachable person. Great, great individual. And um, I think she has a chance to really be a good complement to some of the other people we have on our team. And now the last thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, you're out in L.A., big market. There's been a lot of talk between uh, myself, some other people that are, you know, bloggers and people that are in the grassroots uh, side of covering the game. And we've been discussing the fact that they're lamenting, I guess, the, the lack of some major coverage for the WNBA. And before we got on this call, I went to the L.A. Times website, and you guys aren't even listed as an other. I mean, USC, UCLA, high school, the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers and the, and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rams are all big time, but to not even have the defending WNBA champions in your own market listed as an other choice really angered me and upset me. How, you know, on your side as a coach in this market, trying to sell out people, trying to sell out arenas, trying to bring people, trying to grow the game. You've been a part of it for a long time. You know, what can what can we do to get something like the L.A. Times to to buy in when they don't even cover a championship team? I tell you, it's, it's somewhat frustrating. Um, I think that it's unfortunate. Um, I thought our coverage got better last year. I think that with what we last year going in with the momentum into this season, there should be more. But I also think that this day and age, um, you know, people are uh, getting their news and their information a lot of different ways other than just uh, a local newspaper. Um, you'd like to have it be the perfect world. Unfortunately, it's not. I also think there's probably a lot of things we can do a better job of here. Um, and I'm sure that we've tried a lot. You know, I'm sort of still new here to the city and the area. We've had a lot of transition within our organization, front office with our media people. So, uh, but we do have we do have some really substantial and um, important owners in, that own our team. You know, we're owned by the same group of people that own the Dodgers. So maybe we need to have to, have to go in that area a little bit more, put a little bit more lever, or pressure on the media through that angle. But I will say this. You know, the majority of our games are on television locally. Um, I would say probably 25 of our 34 are broadcast here, home and away. So there's different ways that, that we're publicized that a lot of teams aren't in their local market. Well, that's certainly something that is that is important. You're right. The television, definitely, and and I should have added that that was part of my my point well, is that you know, if it's Magic's group isn't getting covered, you know who you know what else do you need than Magic sitting courtside watching the team and rooting on Candace to to want to cover this team? Yeah. Well, I can't, I, David. I really can't answer that other than I can tell you that it's disappointing and unfortunate, but. You know, I think that instead of um, 
and it's it's good of it's good to um, uh, highlight some of the the issues that you have, the problems that you have. I'm more about you know if you have an issue, have a solution. And I don't know if we've come up with solutions yet, but I think we got to keep trying to find them. That I think is the best point that we've made probably in this whole thing that we got to keep trying to find the solutions to these things. Got to keep working. Got to keep working. Can't can't quit. Well, that's for sure. And coach, you know, we need to keep you on top of the you know on top of these championship teams. You know, you're you're there all the, it seems all the time. It's always Brian Agler, Cheryl Reeve, Bill Lambeer, the same group of coaches and administrators. You guys are some of the very best at what you do in all of professional sports. Well, I appreciate that, and, and I think that for the growth of the game, the visibility of the WNBA, um, it's very important that we have people like yourself that are constantly blowing the horn, you know, they're constantly following it, putting it out there in front of people, and, and piece by piece, day by day, bit by bit, it continues to grow. And so, um, you know, I was just, in fact, I was just having a conversation with, uh, one of our owners today before practice, Stan Kasten, who comes in. He's the GM of the Dodgers, and he came into practice today. We were talking, and, you know, there's that demographic of men from uh, 18 to 35 that we've our league has really had, who are really big sports fans. They're the ones that listen to talk shows. They're the ones that read the newspaper. They're the ones that bet on the game. You know, they're the, they're the diehard sports, sports fans. And they're, but they're also the, the demographic that we have a hard time drawing. And... With, uh, I, I do think we have a new fantasy uh, deal that came out, that fantasy sports team, the WNBA, that, that just came out today, which I think will help that. But I also think that some of these, some of these individuals in that demographic aren't ever going to be fans of women's sports until this happens, until they have a daughter. And then all of a sudden, thing uh, all of a sudden things change in their life and that's we have to continually grow that base of exposing um, these families that have daughters to these female great female not only athletes but role models and the way I look at it is you you don't have to be a basketball fan to uh, come in and enjoy the WNBA these young girls and, and young women are going to really aspire to be the best they can be in whatever their interests are by watching our women in our league be the best they can be doing what they love. And you can't only be inspired when you watch these these individuals and these teams play. Absolutely, Coach. Great, great job. Thank you again for taking time today as you're getting ready for the season. You know, to to expound on this and so many other subjects we've covered today. It was. Great talking to you as always, and you know we're going to look forward to watching you raise that banner on Saturday. Well, we're looking forward to it. Um, you know, we know that uh, our competition stiff. Seattle's really an up and coming team, and we're trying to prepare for that as well. Um, but it's great for our fans; they get a chance to celebrate the, the uh, championship of the 2016. Take care, coach. Enjoy the season, and I'm sure we'll talk again. Thank you, David. Take care.